0: On today's show, we bring in Ivan Roskakov of Intellium and Giuseppe Graziano of GGRG Brokerage. We discuss their Q3 market report on liquid domain names, particularly 2345letter.coms and uh, character.coms, some changes to the report, and some very interesting insights about China. Enjoy the show. First, serious about online trading, secure your funds, keep your merchandise safe, and use a company that keeps the buyer and seller protected the whole way through. That's escrow.com, payments you can trust. FD was built by Domain Investors to increase your inquiries, sales, and profit. Forget spreadsheets and archived emails. Manage your entire investment portfolio in one place using a secure and completely confidential platform. Learn more at ft.com that's e f t y ft.com Hey okay, Sherpa Network thanks for joining us we have Ivan Raskazov part of the t- Intellium team hi Ivan how are you
1: I'm well how are you Jess?
0: Great thanks how are things going you know Intellium runs both Estebot and Domain IQ how are things going over there
1: well, things are quite busy. Uh, obviously, you know we have a number of other services we run, so there's uh there's always a lot of work. Um, you know, we launched a new tool uh, for us to buy customers, domain leads. Um, I don't want to take too much time talking about that because we're that's not really why we're here. Uh, but things are busy. And things are going well.
0: Good, good to hear. And Giuseppe Graziano, hello, Giuseppe, a broker from GGRG.com. How are you today?
2: I'm good, Tess. How are you?
0: I'm great thanks Ivan and I are drinking coffee over in the US and you uh, it's it's not coffee time for you is it
2: just just water
0: sure okay we believe you <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're here. Coffee. <laughs> sure <laughs> so we're here to discuss um lxdo.com has issued your 13th edition of the liquid domains overview Um, this, I mean, 13th edition, we really have quite a bit that you've built over time here. Um, you, and I like, you even put a number on it, 614,928.com domains that you describe as liquid. What, what are those domains? That's a very specific number.
2: Yeah, it's a very specific number. So what we consider liquid, it's about nine categories of domain names which are the ones that are most commonly traded. And we call them liquid because they always, they're always all registered, so you cannot find anything available for registration anymore. And you can always sell that within like a short period of time for at least a floor price. And these nine categories are the true letter.com, the free letter.com, four letters.com. Then we have the f- true number, free number, four number, five numbers. And then we have the hybrid combination of two characters and three characters. For example, two characters are like uh, 5g.com. So these comprise, you know, this whole number, it's about 614,000. So yeah, that's that's where the liquid domains comes from.
0: Excellent, okay, thank you for clarifying that. And you've made a change instead of issuing a PDF. I absolutely love that you made it searchable on your website, much easier to sort um, and so when I go here to lxdo.com, I can just click on, say four ends, if I want to see, um, you know, four number.com domains and what's going on there. You can even see your historical, um, public sales, historical escrow sales, all sorts of historical information. This, um, what, what, what caused you to make this change? This is fabulous.
2: Yeah, it's much better, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just because we were, you know, we were debating with Ivan that, you know, nowadays a lot of the traffic is mobile. So nobody really has the time anymore, like, you know, to go on a website, then download a PDF, and on a very tiny screen just scroll through the data and just, you know, enlarge the picture just to see, like, what are the numbers of the report. So we just wanted to make it a lot more easier, like, in in terms of, like, interface, a a lot, you know, Easier to access for users, and also with that, we're also able to to put certain figures, like for example, the differences in you know if the five percentile is growing or not. They can actually check it directly on the website. Well, before that, to compare different editions, and I think that it's it's very important for the users.
0: That is important. Very nice. So you know, um, I just had Jackson Ellsgood on the show mm-hmm. from Escrow.com discussing the escrow's domain investment index. And I really want our Sherpa network to understand the difference between um, the value that your report brings and the value that brings. And I think especially for investors to look at both to get a full picture of the market. So you take um, public sales, and do you integrate escrows? So escrow takes private sales and they um, you know, put together that data and share it in a way that doesn't reveal anything you know private. I, I don't know how to say that better.: That um, <laughs> <can> you...
2: <laughs> <laughs> was, was a pretty good.:
0: <laughs> okay, Thanks. Um, can you explain where your data is coming from?
2: Yeah, sure. So, so, I mean. Yeah, Google even.
1: Uh, So I wanted to kind of first point out that in the domain industry, it's very important to look at multiple pieces of information because transactions are extremely fragmented. Obviously, escrow has access to its own data. It can see um, what sales transpire in these categories that use escrow as a payment system. But one of the things that we notice, like, for example, if we look at 5N sales, um, we noticed that escrow.com sales in the third quarter were significantly lower than public disclosed sales. And so it's very important to have as much of a complete picture in this industry as possible because things don't really get reported to a single central place. And the more information you can look and compare, kind of the better it becomes, the more information you're armed with.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's um take us through the report and then um then we have a couple questions for you. But let's just kinda go through it. See what's what's going on in um in in this category of these liquid domain sales these days. You wanna start Evan, just-
1: you wanna go for it? Okay. Oh, sure. <laughs> so I mean the first Sorry about that. Uh, The first thing we noticed, obviously, uh, we do have an uptick in in sales. Um, I think liquid domain sales were roughly 14.6 million, close to 14.6 million dollars in the third quarter. There was a significant part of that that was 4L. Uh, It doesn't seem to be uh, unusual for this time of year. For example, if we look at last year, there was also a significant uptick in the third quarter of 2018 in terms of public sales. The interesting difference, uh, about a year ago, the bulk of those sales came, I believe, in 3Ls uh, as opposed to 4Ls this time. So yeah. it's an interesting yeah. observation uh, because does this mean that perhaps 3Ls are closely held by investors that they are being developed? So are we going to see less transaction in those domains? And that's why we're starting to see kind of activity getting pushed out into things like 4 So that's one interesting uh, point. The other thing I've noticed right away and interestingly is the difference between public sales and private sale, Uh, Mm -hmm. private sales shown by escrow, especially in five ends. I think we had something like 1.2 or 1.3 million uh, public sales, but only a little over 100,000 reported by escrow. And the question I have, uh, of course, and we all probably do. Uh, It's a category dominated by Chinese registrants. Are they moving to use perhaps other payment uh, methods or payment systems in place that are perhaps a little less known to us and how do we capture uh, that sort of traffic and how do we make sure that activity is measured. Um, And the other other last thing is I'm always curious to see how changes in uh, Bitcoin pricing and kind of that uh, other digital assets affect domain names. Uh, Giuseppe can uh, attest that uh, when we saw significant price appreciation in crypto in 2018 and then the subsequent collapse, we did see liquidation of main portfolios um, later on in in the months to follow, uh, which affected other things like price and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see if that follows, uh, given Bitcoin hit about 12,000, I believe. Um, one coin per 12,000 US dollars and sort of retreated downward 30%. So kind of these really broad kind of strokes, if you will, uh, that that we noticed overall, I uh, would like to keep track of in, in these liquid domains.
0: Very, very interesting. Uh, Giuseppe, um, you want to pick it up from here?
2: Yeah, sure. Which direction you want to take it?
0: Uh, you know, I'm just looking at this report for the first time, I apologize, but um, I did have some questions about China. Do you want to jump over to that right now, or you want to finish going through the report first?
2: Yeah, no, sure. I mean, like, you know, I think one of the biggest changes, like, lately in China was that, you know, Xi Jinping, which is, like, the basically premier, he actually said that, you know, blockchain, it's it's something that China really wants to leverage, and I think, I think this will be like very very interesting to see how this develops. Uh, after that, there was a short spike in price uh, uh, for for bitcoins. Now I think it's pretty it's pretty stable, but it's it's very interesting to see like Ivan said what what's going to happen when you know say bitcoin prices go up or down because I personally know a lot of investors who actually there are domain the investors who actually invested in bitcoins, so that definitely affects the level of supply and demand in the market.
0: Okay. And what about China's new policy on Bitcoin? Do you think that's affecting um, domain names, domain names sales velocity or volume at all, especially in the, the liquid domains?
2: I mean, the thing of liquid domains is that, you know, a, a lot of you know, just just because of the words, a lot of people use them for liquidity. So definitely if somebody wants to invest in something that's liquid, I mean, you always need to to take, you know, to consider that bitcoins are also an alternative investment, which is also liquid. So definitely like, you know, if. If a specific investor allocate parts of his portfolio towards bitcoins might not allocate towards towards domain names. So definitely will have an impact. Now, as much as we can measure that, we don't really know until we see it. We normally see afterwards what happens uh, with you know the sales of domain names.
0: Okay. All right. Um,
2: so and I what... do want to
1: oh, apologies, but I do want to add something, uh, an important distinction. Uh, I do want to separate blockchain from crypto. Right. Assets in the yeah. sense that blockchain is a technology, and of course, China does have a has publicly stated that it's going to try to make significant investment in the technology, but that may not necessarily translate into cryptocurrencies in the long run. In fact, I think just a day ago, they banned Bitfinex and something else from um, certain exchanges and certain chat rooms, basically limiting their transaction. Because I think part of the problem of course for any government not just China but also US is understanding uh, capital outflows understanding what should be taxed if you will and and as such favorable policy towards blockchain may translate in the short run as price appreciation because you can always say well blockchain is the same as Bitcoin but it's quite it's a little bit different here so I do want to make that distinction.
0: That's a good distinction. Um, slightly off topic, what um, like podcasts or websites do you go to for your information on um, blockchain and Bitcoin, or just but in China or um, the economy in China? Where, where what do you think are the best resources for that?
2: I mean, this is a very broad question. I mean, like, <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot of podcasts and information about the economics, and, you know, there's very different resources. I personally like a lot uh, The Economist. Uh, so I, I read all that. Also, like, they have, I think they have an excellent podcast. But then again, I think it's important to get information from different perspectives. Um, so there's several blogs which actually are actually quite, quite interesting, and uh, they offer offer their perspective. But mostly, uh, yeah, The Economist is where I look at the information. information. Okay. What about okay. you, Ivan?
1: Um, well, I look at Bloomberg quite a bit, obviously, because they have a tremendous wealth of information that they have stored and organized over a long period of time. But also, I supplement it uh, with, a, with a couple of blogs, smaller blogs. Some of them, you know, have opposing political bands, if you will. Um, part, of the, part of the difficulty in really looking at China is kind of understanding how it's seen on the inside versus the outside, and trying to balance all those different perspectives. To try to figure out where the actual, uh, or at least semblance of truth may lie, and you need opposing points for that, obviously. Uh, I also look at Twitter, actually. I use Twitter as a tremendous aggregator of information and research. Uh, the finance Twitter community is extremely, extremely sharp. Um, there's a lot of uh, links to research papers, a lot, of li- a lot of links for independent research that That are exchanged there along with ideas. Uh, And for general economy, uh, uh, behavioraleconomics.com, I believe. It's a blog run by um, Mark Dow, who's a former IMF economist. I believe he worked with the World Bank as well, uh, but he runs a number of funds. He's a really, really, really sharp guy. Um, So I, I try to balance all these different things, but Twitter becomes this aggregator of information for me, basically.
0: Very interesting. All right. I'm overlooking at your Twitter profile. I want to see who you follow. Just click, click. I back. don't know. If,
1: uh, yeah, I, I make a lot of jokes there, though, so I don't know how, uh, how truly informational my Twitter feed will be, but I do retweet research uh, and, and things like that. So there's some interesting people I do follow that I would recommend for sure.
0: Okay. That's a really good point, especially from, from somewhere like China, um, that Twitter does have a unique um, access that other places may not. Um, very cool. All right. I really want to look at threeletter.coms. We've seen um, a lot going on um, in the, in, you know, this last quarter Q3 since your last report. Um, I know over at media options, we've had quite a few sales of threeletter.coms, lettercoms but um, at the wholesale or liquid level, uh, we're seeing continually declining prices and, um, and I'm wondering if you're seeing the same, because um, we're seeing this gap, too, and it's, it's growing, the gap between the liquid market and the end user market is, you know, of course, growing, that supply is ever getting uh, smaller. Um, are you seeing the same here?
2: Yeah, I mean, so as even pointed out before, uh, last quarter was very different. I mean, the, uh, the same quarter of the last year, so there was a lot more sales, especially because there was like a big portfolio that was sold from China. And the best part of the portfolio got bought pretty much right away. So that amounted for like a lot of sales for Freeliders. Uh, but then, as correctly you said, so the floor prices of Freelider.com is slowly, slowly like going down. and. And I think the reason is because a lot more investors are becoming more interested in domains like oneworld.com, for example. And this is because it just, it's purely because of margins. So if you buy, let's say, a free it's a very codified market. So you, you know you pretty much know that if it's a Chinese premium free letter versus a Western premium free letter versus a non-premium free letter, it has specific price ranges, which are very, very codified, and it's very easy for people to understand how much you can pay, you can sell these domains for. While for oneworld.com, there's more of an asymmetry of information and more like a different perceptive, a perception about how much these domains are worth. So for example, if I buy a domain like uh, liquid.com, liquid.com is not a good example because it was sold for a lot of money, but uh, let's say um, lamp.com. So for some investors, it might be worth, Maybe might be like a six digits name, but for some other, it may be like low, a low four digits name. And because of that, that can create like a, very, a big disparity in information. And you can buy, we can buy domain for very cheap, and we sell it very quickly for a much higher price to other investors, which is basically, in other words, the market is much more inefficient. And because of that, there's more opportunities for investors.
0: Okay, so I'm looking here at the um at the three l section of your q three report and i see um you know you're showing the median prices going up about eleven percent to twenty seven thousand three hundred eighty eight dollars per uh three lettercom dot com um the turnover, t- to me that's more or less stagnant to you. well it's twenty percent but point o nine percent um is that pretty um i mean that looks um twenty percent. I don't know. What do you think of that? Is that significant to you or no? Well, I think it's uh,
1: yeah, but, go for, go for it. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, well, I think I mean again, if you're if you're dealing with a large increase but in a really small number, you do kind of have to question that unless the inventory is like is really, really tiny, right? But here you have a decent amount of inventory. Uh, so I think that's
2: that's fairly stable I would argue and Giuseppe uh, what do you think about that yeah I would say it's fairly stable I mean if we look like at the data quarter on quarter it's like there's there's not much there's no big difference Uh, then again like you know this closed sale is really what makes like a big difference Um, like if you look at the escrow numbers then we're looking at like about 3 million 3.1 and last quarter was 3.5 so overall like you know if we look at uh, the escrow.com data it's it's pretty much stable Uh, so yeah I will not see that there is like a huge difference in that
0: Okay yeah I mean we 're looking at sixteen public sales, but it 's still you know seven hundred and ninety three thousand um, dollars it's um, I think this in particular is why it 's so important to have these reports because with the the volume isn 't the same as say you know stock market or something but um, but I think the fluctuations are very important and very um steady and reliable so with one word.coms um do you ever pull out in your list what in your three letter four letters are actually you know dictionary words or not and do you ever plan to or no because the liquidity is different
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we can, we can both, both Ivan and I can go. Uh, I, I would say it's it's actually quite challenging to pull out what is the, the, you know, the actual keyword domains that that are sold within like the liquid domains. I mean, you can do that in public sales, but then again, it's the data that would greatly change if even one or a couple of transactions are private or not. While on the other hand, for the escrow.com data, of course, we can't have that information. So I think it would be like a bit challenging to to get it out. And even if we were able to pull that out from the public sales, I don't think it will be like statistically significant.
0: Okay, no, no, that's all right. I mean, so we're seeing in the OneWord space kind of wholesale prices growing almost faster than retail prices with margins getting a little squeezed. So I was wondering if you had any data in there, but I know that all the same, you know, you're an expert in this space. Um, Giuseppe, what do you attribute that to?
2: The going up of the, the com.
0: Y- y- well, yeah, the wholesale price is going up and the retail prices, of course, are also going up, but not as fast. So that, you know, margin is getting a little squeezed.
2: Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, you know, prim- prim- putting like in front that, you know, I, I focus on the liquid domain space. I-, I would attribute to like an increase in demand because there is a lot of investors, like, a lot of people I talk to, and they were like very interested in the liquid domain market before. And now they're a lot more interested in oneworld.com. Again, because there is much bigger margins for them to make. So it's very easy to get a decent one word.com for like 10K and then resell it the day after for 15 or 20K. Okay. But you, for that, for doing that for freeA.coms, now it's very quite challenging because everybody knows what is like. And actually, I think I, will, I would like to believe it's also thanks to our report, uh, that, that there's a report that there's a much better percep- perce- perception about what these prices should be and what domains should, should sell for.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, absolutely. Um, Ivan, let's look at the um, five number.com domains. Um, what's going on over in this market? We're seeing the median price drop to about $500 um, for the domains, but we're seeing $1.2 million in public sales volume. Um, what, what's going on over in this space? What are you seeing?
1: Well, I think as I, as I sort of hinted at it, um, I think this is a category of domains that's really dominated by Chinese registrants. And it's, uh, it's difficult for us to really see how big of portfolio chunks would be in exchange. But generally speaking, uh, this type of behavior is very similar to trades of large portfolios, right? And when you trade large portfolios, you sort of have a, a, a certain fixed price per domain, you may charge, it may lower kind of certain medians. That you see. So that could be very much the case. And if we looked at the development data, in fact, uh, if you looked at that slide, we sort of have a kind of dual number, if you will, 3.4 or 5.8%, which seems kind of like an outlier. And the reason for that is there's a very, very substantial amount of Chinese uh, language content on on the 5N.coms. And it becomes very difficult to draw at times a line of what whether those sites are, have any sort of developed value or uh, do they have actual content value or these are just regular parking or resale pages. So that's kind of what, what we see happening in, that, in the, that particular space.
0: Okay, do you think, I mean, with it has such a small percentage developed, right? Like 3.4 to 5.8% um, mm-hmm. is developed. Do you think that's still a good, place to invest as a non-Chinese job investor?
1: I'm a little leery of recommending investing into a category that where the individual may not really understand. I think too many people look at price action and think, well, I'm going to double my money tomorrow and then end up sort of with nothing instead. Not suggesting, obviously, that events would drop to zero or anything like that. Obviously, they have standalone value. But I'd be very cautious of investing in the market dominated by consumers that unless you truly understand them, unless you've kind of transacted or kept track of Chinese markets, uh, to really kind of think twice before doing that.
0: Okay. Good to know. Um, and then in the two number.com domains, Giuseppe, this question's for you. Um, so there are no um, public sales. And how frequent is it that in a quarter, there are no, I mean, there's only a hundred two number.com domains, 12% are developed. Um, China uh, is invested in at least 39% of them. Um, what, what's going on over there? Is this um, common to see?
2: Yeah, I mean, like, as you said, there's only 100 domains. A lot of them, you know, the percentage of development uh, of truenumber.com is very high. And they very rarely come onto market. So you really rarely see when you know, one of them sells. And even when they sell, they always, you know, transaction, it's almost always private. So you don't get any data disclosed. Because of that, it's very difficult to make any inference because, you know, you don't have enough data. Uh, most of the transactions are private. Uh, so there's no much you can see unless you read like behind the scenes and like you you actually brokering those transactions.
0: Okay, yeah, and um, I have no idea about this, but I'm even assuming for escrow that would be difficult for them to even put in their report because if there's only one transaction, they couldn't include it because it wouldn't really be that private.
2: Um <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely so actually you know even I, I would say like even if there's like one transaction uh, I think for privacy like escrow does does not report them, just like you know to make sure that you know they kept they keep the privacy of the users
0: hmm, so that's really difficult so if um i mean I imagine most investors watching this aren't looking to acquire a two number dot com um because that is a very difficult acquisition um but if an investor were trying to where where would they even begin uh,
1: i I would say that um you have to kind of look at what's actually developed I mean part of the reason why, for example, um, these domains aren't available is because a lot of them are actually in use um I mean obviously maybe not as much as a two l but you still have twelve percent I think. Uh, development rate for, uh, these, low, for these domains. So you, so you start looking at what's maybe parked, uh, what's not being used commercially, kind of uh, analyze who is data. So I think that would be a good start to see where or what is happening there and keep track, keep track of uh, DNS changes, things like that. I mean, just your standard kind of uh, research.
0: Okay, thanks. Um, I am not really a finance person. Um, and I'm looking at your summary for this, um, um, for these, you know, past reports. And I see 2018 Q3, um, was, um, you know, three letter.coms were the most traded category with over 11 million in escrow sales, but it was one of the worst quarters for fifth percentile values. What are fifth percentile values? I'm sorry. What is that referencing?
2: Ivan, you wanna you wanna go?
1: <laughs> well, I think I think we define them as kind of the floor. We try to set what is a reasonable floor um, for, a, for a specific category of domain-based and kind of sales data, if you will. I think that's the best way I would summarize it.
0: Okay. And so how does that from 2018 Q3 compare to 2019 Q3?
1: Uh, I think we have seen some price recovery from uh, what I recall. Uh, Giuseppe, would
2: you agree with that? Yeah, I'm just I'm just checking the graphs with the summaries. I just want to see. Like okay. we
0: have. And while you're looking, I will say, you know, I know over at Media Options, we um, had a very, very strong Q1, a pretty regular Q2. Mm-hmm. Q4 is looking very strong as well. But our Q3 was really, really um, not that great, um, very unexpected. I, I, I mean, I don't know for Andrew or someone, right. um, but I'm very different, I guess, is what I want to say more than unexpected. It doesn't seem like this report really is mirroring that. Um, what?
1: Well I, well, I think, and kind of we, we come back to the point where a lot of sales data and a lot of transactions are really fragmented so for example someone like Andrew may have had a slow third quarter and a great second quarter but if you look at overall second quarter maybe Andrew could have had the best quarter out of everybody kind of <laughs> in terms of his transactions because sales elsewhere are from other brokers or uh, other markets may have been slow for various factors like holidays in certain countries things like that and so you know, I always, my my dream for this industry is always being able to centralize and aggregate information. For example, when you want to buy oil futures, you can buy anywhere in the world, basically using various exchanges. With domains, sometimes transactions aren't reported, markets are fragmented, and you may have a gray quarter or back quarter, and somebody else is completely different, and there's no way to truly compare the two. This is why um, publishing as many of these reports and really kind of, looking at all these data points, is so important because sometimes it gives you an interesting perspective of what actually happened versus what perhaps your individual business may have done.
0: That's true, and you know, the two of you really have made that dream, Ivan, come quite a bit to fruition. I mean, as far as I know, you developed the first report really ever out there, and you've been so consistent um, in building that over time. Uh, I would love to hear your plans for the future. Uh, where is the stream going but first giuseppe did you did you get to look that up?
2: Yeah, actually, I was looking at the data, so basically like i'm looking at q three two thousand and eighteen and so the fifty percent out then it was fourteen thousand and right now it goes it's down like to eleven point one which means that you know the prices actually went down quite a bit and and quite consistently as well. Uh, so, yeah, that, that is a big difference because it means that, you know, like the, if you own like freelether.com, then the value went down quite a bit, maybe like by, by 30%. Um, the other number, which is really incredible to see compared to now, it's like the escrow.com sales volume, uh, because that for freelether, it, um, it was actually 11 million. And right now for like this quarter, it's, it's, it's a lot less. Yep. Uh, let me see. It's about three million. So there's a huge differences in like, you know, in, in the amount of sale. So yeah, maybe Andrew is not, is not alone uh, in, in, the, in the past quarter.
0: And do you think something in particular is driving that? Does that cause concern to you? Or do you think that's a um, typical fluctuation?
2: I would say maybe like it's it's a stale inventory because like a lot you know these this you know these liquid domains they don't trade so much, especially the most developed categories and I remember like you know one year ago it was like u three two thousand and eighteen there was a huge portfolio that came up for sale, so a lot of people were buying you know this these assets, and over all time, like there's no new domains that come up for sale, so there's there's not enough supply and demand to get the market going, I would say so. I would probably attribute that you know, to, to this.
0: Okay, all right, good to hear. Um,
1: I'm also, and sorry, I don't mean to uh, jump in, but I'm also interested in exactly who is acquiring. I, I know, for example, James Booth just said he bought PDA.com. Uh, he's a pretty savvy investor and broker, so I'm pretty sure he didn't pay end-user value for it, if I had to guess. Um, but again, we don't know what he may have acquired it for. But also, I know that people, Folks like Brent Oxley and some other guys were really out there buying up names at favorable or at their perceived favorable valuation. So I'm sort of curious. And we won't have an answer to this. Again, we don't have access to escrow data, obviously, but I'm curious whether the type of buyer has also changed from last year, let's say, to, to this year, because that would have an effect. If you have brokers and investors... Um, that will want to flip these names for a much higher price down the road, then you may have a temporary kind of uh, decline on price, but it may, let's say, come up down the road when they resell these names.
0: Okay. And do you think um, the type of buyer, how is that changing?
1: Well, it would be a little speculative, but if we're seeing um, kind of lower sales volumes and declining price, you guess one of two things either folks have to liquidate inventory whatever they have in order to raise money and that's that ties into bitcoin because if you borrowed money to invest in crypto and it went down 30% last quarter you have to pay it back so uh, we've seen similar behavior in 2018 or the second part is you have a lot of wholesaler and investor activity where they may buy these names kind of on on what they perceive favorable prices and maybe flip them down the road so I think We'll, we'll take a look to see if the development number changes. But um, I think that may be helpful to see if these names are actually being uh, developed or not. And if they're not, maybe we'll see them back in the market at some point.
0: Okay. All right. Good to know. Um, did either of the two of you buy any liquid domains this quarter?
1: Well, I cannot. We cannot invest in domain names. I mean, we run Estipot and Domain IQ. I mean, we would be competing against all of our customers hundreds of brokers and other folks. So that would be extremely unethical for us to do. So we are not allowed and do not invest in domains actually because of that. that
2: Yeah, no, same here. Like we don't invest in domain, in liquid domain names. Uh, Yeah. We just have like a few hundred domains, but just for like, you know, development purposes, but that's it. But no, no, you know, we didn't invest in liquid domains.
0: Okay. All right. Good to know. Thank you for covering. I knew Ivan, your answer, but I didn't know yours to say.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, I, I, and I completely get it. I mean, it, it's sort of the same question. Well, do you subscribe to the kind of the product in the sense you but this is a little bit different because of the conflicts of interest. Uh, and it's just, it wouldn't make sense. I mean, everybody comes to us and they, give us kind of their private information, their, their kind of business plans, their transi- plan transactions. And for us to see all that and then turn around and invest behind their back, it was just it was just not the right So
0: No, I think this is a, a tremendous gift to the industry and the, um, the fact that it affects your investment and you do it anyway, I think, is you know, really big volume to what you bring to the industry and what you're um, willing to do for it. Um, so tell me this. Um, What are your thoughts on this report and, um, you know, Ivan, you mentioned, you know, your big dreams for aggregation of data and less fragmentation. Is there anything in the works to um, make any larger scale changes?
1: Well, um, we always discuss ways to make this better, of course. Um, And part of it also depends on the response that we get. because. Obviously, Intellium has access to a lot of data. Um, we make some of it public. Some of it never sees the light of day. Uh, and sort of all of that really depends on uh, what the industry wants to see. Um, it's 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 been an interesting question because obviously people focus on sales. Uh, when you own an inventory, you need to sell. You need to know what's selling, where it's selling. So you will absolutely be laser-focused on that part. But there are other small things um, like changes in DNS registrars, how things move around that are, uh, I would say, important to keep track of as well. Uh, But yeah, we're we're always discussing ways to make things better. Uh, But I think there are things we'd like to see in the industry, or at least on my, you know, I won't speak for Giuseppe, but on my end, I'd like to see things in place that will allow for more commoditization of the main maintenance. So before we get there, I think it's a little early for me to talk
2: about future plans.
0: (laughs) <laughs> fair enough,
2: fair enough. Yeah, same, and, and, and I agree. Just, like, to add to that, it will, I think that's one of the key components, like, to make the industry grow. It's just to to get to a stage where a lot of people, like, agree on what should be, like, the fair value of a domain. So everything that goes in that direction, it's, it's always positive. And, you know, Ivan and, and the guys in Tadim, they're, they're really working towards that, and that's all we're trying to do with this report as well. So we, we really hope to to bring more of this if possible.
0: Makes sense. Um, Giuseppe, is there anything about the report that I haven't asked that you think is important to discuss or highlight?
2: Mm, that's a surprise question. I will need to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, let, let me think about it. In the meantime, I'll just pass to Ivan.
0: That's okay. Um,
1: yeah, no, I'm just, I, I think it'll be interesting. See, uh, and this is why, why we've try to be as consistent as possible and publish as many of these reports as possible. Uh, it's important to go back in time and kind of see how things change. And sometimes it'll be because we may not have had complete data, but sometimes you detect interesting trends. I want to pay attention to um, to the trend where the sales data and public sales exceeds what escrow reports, because again, we, we live in a difficult era of trade wars and some level of deglobalization and uh, and some kind, a little bit of kind of nationalistic passion across the world. And so it becomes interesting just how, um, I wouldn't say disenfranchised with globalization, but how things are, whether things are separating. So whether or not there may be uh, other exchanges or payment systems or transactions uh, in place that we may not be aware of that may make this a much bigger industry or maybe a little smaller industry than we think. So keeping track of those uh, kind of historic changes, there, there's some gold there, I think. Okay, good
0: to hear. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I, think, I think also like another important thing to notice is that so for the lower tier of liquid domain, so we're looking at you know, five numbers or four letters or three characters, so all, the, all the domains that have a floor price, which is lower than, let's say, $1,000, a lot of those domains actually are actually auctioned. So if domains go through auction systems, they might not go necessarily through escrow.com. So that's why you would see a lot of, uh, you know, you see like the public sales volume is actually higher than the escrow.com sales. So that it's, it's an explanation something that people can look at. Okay. Good well, you. like the, the higher tier, like instead say like a true ladder or free letters, they normally, they always go through escrow.com because they are higher viral transactions and they're normally not auctioned as often. It's mostly like private transactions.
0: So what I hear is, read these reports, listen to Domain Sherpa, and go to a conference, and if you can, get in and have a conversation with uh, with brokers and people like, um, you know, brokers like you, Giuseppe, and people like you, Ivan, who have access to more information. And of course, ethically, you don't share, you know, specifics, but you do have um, those more inner workings. Um, this. This is, I think, tremendous um, for every investor who wants to know what's going on. Um, let's, before we close, tell me what's new. Uh, I know Intellium has some fabulous projects and I'm sure over at GGRG, Giuseppe, you have some uh, new domains under brokerage or some new projects in place. So Ivan, let's start with you. What's, what's new in your world?
1: My boy, just uh, running all kinds of updates. I mean, the, the one absolute new service we launched it's really for us about customers domainleads.com uh and so the reason we launched it is uh, we noticed increasingly we ha- we have a very broad scope of business and increasingly we were sort of moving away from uh, domain investors uh, at times and we really wanted to refocus a little bit on that and Luke is extremely passionate about the domain industry and just um, kind of allowing people to make a living and have kind of a Great life, great free life, if you will. It doesn't involve necessarily going into uh, an office. And so we launched that service. Um, it leverages our crawl data. So we crawl the internet very regularly, trying to figure out what's developed, collect all kinds of information. And so uh, domain leads uh, allows you to search based on keywords and pull up what developed websites may be using those keywords. For example, ice cream businesses or, uh, or whatever business. That may be that are maybe interested in your domain, and so that's completely free to ask about customers. Um, we're not charging any data, uh, any any funds for that additional toolkit. Uh, and then uh, we're always making updates to Name Pulse. We're always running a lot of custom solutions, things like that. So I've <laughs> been you know, quite busy. Nothing I can really talk about uh, yet in, in more detail, but uh, there'll be more stuff probably. Uh, in a year. If we talk in a year, there'll be more things to (laughs) highlight as usual.
0: Okay, I'm going to hold you to it. Q3 Mm -hmm. 2020, it's on. (laughs) And will we see you in Austin at NamesCon?
1: Most likely. Uh, I never say 100% because again, we have a very small team and if something kind of goes wrong, uh, we all have to be uh, there kind of making sure things uh, things work. But uh, probably, I would say, I mean, uh, we've gone for the past few years definitely and as long as I've been around I think uh, so we're you're likely to see that
0: good okay and how about you Giuseppe uh, what's what's going on in your world
2: yeah so one of the, the latest uh, development that we did is you know we have our private uh, brokerage platform called LXMe. so people who invest uh, often in free letters or for numbers all kinds of liquid domains uh, they you know we have a platform for that and we recently opened also for uh, TrueLetter.com and TrueNumbers.com and Freenumber.com. So it's, this is like very recent. And just to, to continue on that route, uh, then we also brokering uh, TrueNumber.com, as you were asking before, where the financial numbers are. So we're brokering uh, 25.com. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what's going on in our world.
0: Okay, 25.com, that's a big deal. Yeah and this is at what is the the website um that you just mentioned Lxme.
2: Yeah, lxme.com so it's a private platform so we really want to be careful like just to to get investors who actually are you know i actually invest in in this sort of domains it's we don't want to keep it open for everyone because that might cause you know issues if uh you know for like Problem of like listings or people who might make bids that are not, uh, you know, backed up by by real, uh, by, by real intent. So that's why we like to you know to make a lot of screening in the beginning. Uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty active, and you know, we just open up for uh, true numbers and true letters. So,
0: okay, very good. Congratulations. Um, that's exciting. And Thank you. will you be making the long trip to Austin?
2: No, no, no. I, I it's it's two or three names that I'm missing. I like to go to Asia in that period normally. So
0: Okay. All right. Well we'll miss you there. Um
2: Yeah, it sounds fun because like this time it's uh, it's Austin. So actually it's uh I think it's a very you know it's a, I think it's a very good choice for location.
0: Yeah, it's a great town, although Drew was complaining the flights from Lisbon to Austin have a lot of connections. Nope. Uh, can't quite fly direct like Vegas, but, you know. Uh, is it, is it,
2: I don't think there's a direct flight Lisbon to Vegas.
0: No, yeah, yeah that's what I, just, I was like, well, almost direct. <laughs> um, there's,
2: there's one now for San Francisco, actually. Hmm. I just put it. I mean, from oh, Lisbon direct, to
0: San Francisco.
2: From, San Francisco? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Nice. All right. Well, Drew maybe- needs
2: his own jet.
1: Why doesn't Drew have a has his own jet yet? I mean come on, he flies around enough. He would probably save money if he had his own. I don't think golf Anna show. would
0: allow him to have a private jet. You know, he's he and Anna are very committed to carbon footprint change. So, you know, maybe maybe he can uh, develop like some cycling thing to fly him across the atlantic powered by domain investors and he can talk the whole time and get you know (laughs) give them advice or something uh maybe maybe uh that's more like it than a private jet (laughs) i'll i'll let you know that those plans in q3
1: 2022 okay It would look good. I mean, he could put his brand. I mean, media options on on the. I mean, it would look fantastic with a little flag. I mean, you could anywhere he touches down, people will look up. You know, his brokerage account. We know we've
0: just barely talked him into having a different background. Finally, <laughs>
1: um,
0: he he invested in the media options background behind him, and even I mean, I've worked with him. Uh, at Media Options for seven years, it took. So uh, we're gonna need a little longer to get, get to a, right. a branded private jet. A little, right. little bit longer, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know.
1: We'll
0: <laughs> well, thank you guys for coming on and more than that, thank you for issuing this report and then making it personal here on the show and helping people to read through it. Um, this is really fantastic, you are a really fantastic. So
1: thank
0: you. Yeah. See you next time. Have a good one. Ciao Tess. Yeah. Ciao.